This is Solar Spotlight, a special edition of the Contractor's Corner podcast from Solar Power World. Hi everybody, I'm Billy Lute, Associate Editor of Solar Power World magazine. The solar carport market is expanding, meaning this high-profile racking is entering new territories. Canopies are viable structures for energy resiliency. They can deploy atop parking lots and commercial garages, and are more frequently meeting financing requirements for power purchase agreements. Today, we're joined by Finn Finley, CEO, and Danny Kraft, Director of Customer Development at Quest Renewables, a commercial and utility racking company specializing in carports. Finn and Danny are here to discuss how the market is changing for solar canopy systems and how EPCs and developers can anticipate those changes and include carports in their portfolios. So Finn and Danny, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Now, over the years, Quest Renewables has been a valuable source for stories I've written on topics related to carports, and the company's technology has been featured on our website and in our magazine. What has Quest been up to recently? Aside from our base business, we've really been focused on resiliency, looking at additional wind tunnel testing and building for increasingly erratic weather conditions with support from the Department of Energy. We continue to you know, focus on the base business, but you know, it's, it's dynamic and it's always changing. So we're, we're, we're improving over time, making sure we stay nimble. So we're able to adjust to the changing conditions in the market. And how have you seen the market change over the past several years? Well, there's no doubt the canopy market is growing really quickly and the growth is really durable, meaning, you know, uh, there's a lot of tailwinds supporting it. So even when you come up with a big headwind like we did in the last year with the supply chain challenges that you know affected everybody, we still were, you know, had our biggest year. We built our biggest project. Uh, so the tailwinds are very strong. On the other hand, uh, folks in the industry know that the, the growth is geographically inconsistent, meaning one market is doing a lot of carports and another one is is not you know that's at least how i see it but you know danny you see more uh, customer uh, information and projects than i do uh, what do you think about the market yeah i agree that it's geographically inconsistent a lot of that is you know policy driven weather driven customer driven really and uh you know the northeast and the southwest you know opposite ends of the United States here in the lower 48 seem to be the most advanced when it comes to canopies. And, um, you know, it's the sunny Southwest and it's the snowy Northeast and a lot of that being policy driven. Now you just touched on it a little bit there, but what causes the market to be geographically inconsistent? Yeah, it it really seems to be uh, kind of feast or famine. And there's really three factors that we look at to assess if there's an, you know, an opportunity and, and what drives this inconsistency. So one of it, one of them being the cost of energy. So where, where power or where energy is expensive, companies, consumers in general are looking to reduce their power costs. And so they go to solar, you know, largely based on what the incentives are, you know, Massachusetts with the smart program, um, having carport incentives, the you know the new IRA um, is going to help the broader U.S. I believe, um, but it's 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 cost of energy, it's policy, uh, wind and snow conditions. You know when you get into uh, the Midwest per se, uh, Minneapolis where I'm based, you're looking at 50 pounds snow. You're looking at some significant steel costs to hold up panels. Another driver is is really land use. Uh, which a lot of times drives policy 
where states and and areas don't want to take um, agricultural land out of use or chop down woods to support panels. And so you see uh, developers vying for our for space. Um, and so where rooftops aren't available and there's a lot of impervious surface that's already been taken out of its um, natural condition, it's a perfect situation for a canopy. And you don't really see solar canopies outside of of an urban environment. So I I, I think those are the biggest um, the biggest drivers for geographical inconsistencies. Incentives seem to be a bit of a wild card. In what ways can EPCs predict which markets are likely to develop favorable incentives? Uh, yeah, I'll take that. It it seems like um, you know it seems like they are really like willy nilly, you know, like you said, a wild card. Um, but there is some rationale as to where the where the incentives take place, and I think the key is really to understand the perspective of the utilities. Uh, if we change our mindset and thinking about how we can work with conjunction conjunction of the, the utilities, it really helps us get into their minds and think about where do carports help them. And carports help them in places where there's, you know, like Danny said, a shortage of land. Um, so, and then also where the grid isn't particularly strong. So, if you look at um, places like that, uh, the utility really could use some help with distributed generation. We just finished a big project out in. Uh, in Cape Cod, and it's basically, as you can imagine, electricity getting out to the Cape is tricky. So if they can create, you know, a system that creates extra power uh, during the summer where there's peak demand, and they can get extra capacity through the grid without uh, through through Cape Cod without going through the larger grid, it really works out to the benefit of the utility. So uh, an incentive for them makes financial sense there, uh, and that's where you see a lot of that. Um, you know, in, in general, what we're looking for when we see and we're trying to anticipate markets is places where utilities can avoid expensive upgrades and maintenance to the grid, and it can either be deferred or avoided all altogether. So, you know, that example I just gave in Cape Cod is an example of that. So instead of trying to figure out how to upgrade the power that's going out through the Cape, you could basically create additional power right there and have it already located where you need it. Um, and then, you know, the second place we really look for, uh, our fact factor we really look for, are parts of the grid that are using all of their generation capacity and, and or they have peak consumption issues. So, you know, if you're seeing brownouts or warnings about outages, you'll see that's a place where solar is a great option, you know, great option for peak production. And then again, distributed generation is even better because it's less taxing on the transmission infrastructure. So, you know, it, it avoids needing a substation, it avoids a lot of, you know, upgrading the transmission lines to handle more capacity. So that's a, that's another big piece of it. We're just looking at where the grid is and where the support is. If you're seeing problems in the reliability of the grid, that's a place where the cost of an incentive is a lot less than the cost of actually making the changes to the grid that you'd need to get it uh, able to handle that. And I think, you know, thinking about electrification of vehicles, that's going to become more and more and more critical. Um, folks aren't charging their their cars in the same place that uh, a ground mount solar array is typically located. Uh, so that power has to move somewhere. And if you can produce more of it locally where it's needed, that's really helpful. Um, and then the, the third place is really where electric electricity consumers and the public strongly oppose the addition of new power plants. And I mean, a lot, there's, most people oppose the addition of new power plants, but where markets where it's like a no starter, right? Like, you know, 
people don't want it in their backyard, of course, but like if they're really, really serious and there's a very strong uh, grassroots level uh, desire not to do that, um, you you know, you're going to see more continued uh, stress on the grids. And again, you know, that's where this DG solar in general and carports really address those needs. So really the, the we have these huge tailwinds in carports for these ma big macro factors um, that are driving, you know, economically logical reasons to put carports in place. So I think it's really important to have an ear toward, you know, if you're in a specific state, the state legislature, the local, uh, the, you know, SIA or your state trade group, and really be aware of what state legislatures are are looking at um, to see how it's gaining traction with them. So you can you can see it if you if you look closely and you can get a good you know bird's eye view of what the dynamics are in that case. So it, it becomes pretty apparent a few years in advance that there's going to be um, a really viable market for solar and particularly in carports, depending on how the incentives are structured. So what can EPCs do if they are in a less than ideal market? Whether you're in a less than ideal or ideal market, where we see EPCs and developers strike success is when they have a customer-focused approach. So they're working very closely with their customer who has renewable energy targets to begin with. Sometimes it could be a third-generation business owner who wants to take their company into the future with renewables through canopies, roof-mounted, solar, lighting, et cetera. The, uh, the second point that we see EPCs push are the secondary benefits of carport, such as shading, you know, to help reduce uh, uh, cars heating up during the days, the employees are at work, or protection from hail. And those secondary benefits can actually be... Um, the the leading benefits in a uh, in a customer's mind when we take a parking lot out of use to install a canopy and then we move to a different part of that parking lot once those canopies are up whether they're wired into the grid or not yet um, or generating power the 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 customers or or I should say the employees rather uh, flock to get under that canopy to take advantage of it. It's kind of, it's kind of funny to watch. Um, we see a lot of corporate headquarters or educational institutions that are looking to make a PR statement to attract talent um, and to just make a statement overall on their goals. And so when EPCs are coming together with those end users in that sense, we see things go forward. Um, another big driver is mission critical need for electricity, such as hospitals, government buildings or initiatives, and military installations. So, you know, the key to winning these projects is really understanding the importance of uh, aesthetic appeal for these projects and delivering upon that need. So ideal or not ideal, there's a number of factors that really drive these projects to fruition. Ben, Danny, thanks again for your time. Sure, appreciate it. The uh, yeah. you know the market for carports uh, is as strong as it's ever been. It's accelerating. It's geographically expanding, and and as I mentioned, it's durable. It's got a lot of you know a lot of uh, tailwinds, and you know all that favorability is in addition to the Inflation Reduction Act and the benefits for the overall industry. So 
we're excited to be mission focused in that particular space. You know, these projects can't be an afterthought for folks. Uh, if you're making carports, it's a totally different set of considerations and design. And we really love serving the industry that way. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. We appreciate the invite. You know, visit us at questrenewables.com. Check out our library of projects and you can easily request a quote. Give us a call and we can talk through your project needs and see if we're a fit to be able to help you. I'm Billy Luke with Solar Power World.